Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. I'm Ryan Drury. I'll be joined first by Steve Sabrin as we chat about the GOJHL hiring a new commissioner and officially announcing that the 2020-21 season is canceled. What impact will that have on the league and its teams and, of course, the players? We'll also chat about baseball. The Jays off to an impressive start beating the Yankees in two series to start the season, but floundering against some weaker opponents. Then I'll be joined by Clarky and our favorite dark guy, Leafs Maz. Jason Maslico will join us to talk about Leafs deadline acquisitions and their mentality heading into the playoffs. Where will Nick Felino fit into the lineup? Dave Riddick, can he make an impact? All that good stuff. And then we will wrap up firing off some key bets for the weekend in our betting segment. This is MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabrin as we dive into a number of different topics in the sports world. Sab, how are you? You know what? Uh, living the life. Um, I, I got to fix my background. Like, I had it going on at the studio. Had a nice little studio to work in. We get the stay-at-home order. I got to do something with the wall behind me. The painter's yeah, I think so. posting just isn't doing it. Yeah, it, it, it's not doing much for us. And uh, you're hiding the skeletons in your closet behind you there, too. So we <laughs> won't show that on television uh, or for our radio listeners. I uh, want to mention right off the hop uh, before we dig into some local sports news, uh, something that I think we all saw coming with the GOJHL finally announcing their season is canceled quickly, though. We are recording and filming this on Jackie Robinson Day in baseball. Uh, happy Jackie Robinson Day, everybody. Uh, I really hope, given some of the things that are going on in the world, particularly down in the United States again, that people take some time to reflect on exactly what Jackie Robinson Day symbolizes. It's not a day about baseball. Uh, it's a day about remembering uh, the the horrible effects of racism, uh, not just in the United States, but all over the world and, and the things that Jackie Robinson had to endure uh, on, on route to the incredible baseball career he did have uh, and and laid the foundation for so many more after him to play in the major leagues. But the day isn't about baseball. It's about anti-racism. And, and I really hope that everybody uh, took some time to reflect on that and not just go, yay, baseball. Uh, I, I think that the world over needs to, to think a little bit deeper on just what exactly days like this uh, mean. So I thought it was important to point that out. Steve, let's dig into this. Uh, we speculated about this all through the winter months. It, it, To be honest, it started giving me a headache. I, I mean, we, we all felt that we weren't going to see junior hockey here locally. Ball still in the air in terms of whether we see any OHL play, which I do not believe we will, given what is going on in Ontario right now as we record this, a record-setting day for COVID cases. But the other day, GOJHL on Tuesday officially announced that they would not be playing any form of season this year. Uh, Steve, just your opinion on really what it means at the end of the day, if it means anything different than what we said in the winter time, and and what kind of struggles this league might need to go through in order to recover. Well, you know, it's... It's something that I think everybody saw coming, um, delay after delay after delay. And then finally, they pulled the plug on the season um, after, of course, hiring a new commissioner uh, for the GOJHL. Um, one of the biggest things uh, that is affected, of course, the players. Um, you look at the kids who are, you know, a little bit older um, finishing off their careers. They're not going to get a chance to finish their careers off the ice unless they do something uh, with the with the overage rule next year, which they won't. Um, and then the other thing is about the kids coming in, trying to find a spot or going to the OHL priority selection and not a chance to play um, or get a real good look at. Um, so the, the, it's mostly effects on the kids. A lot of the clubs will survive. The clubs are the clubs. They'll keep on going. Uh, 
a lot of them in the GODHL are on good footing. Um, if you look up and down the three conferences, they're going to be uh, uh, they're going to be returning next year. Um, and in the end, though, it 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 was the right decision. I mean, you can't ignore the fact of what's happening in Ontario, um, especially when you go down to the Golden Horseshoe Conference when there's a little bit of border play there. Uh, and, you know, it's it's going to come back. The, the volunteers are going to come back. The executives are going to come back. Uh, the players are going to be hungry to play. Um, and, and we'll get there. I'm wondering if they waited too long to call the season off. Um, looking back, they were supposed to come back in December and then January, and then they looked at February. Well, by February, you had a pretty good idea of where things were tracking, um, not to mention trying to fit everything into um, a, a very, very condensed schedule. So I'm wondering if they waited until they had a new commissioner in place to make the official announcement because I found it interesting that they hire a new commissioner, then the announcement to cancel the season officially came out a couple of days after the new commissioner was was hired. So um, got to wonder if they were waiting a little bit just to get kind of their officials in place to make sure they had everything lined up properly. Uh, so tough, very tough. Heartbreaking for some uh, for some players for sure, but the teams will be back next year. Uh, just you mentioned the OHL. Um, we heard this week that the CHL, which is the umbrella for all the major junior leagues across Canada, uh, did cancel the Memorial Cup for this year. So no national championship for the CHL uh, happening for this season, um, and they're going to look ahead to twenty one twenty two. Yeah, and they unfortunately had to cancel the tournament last year as well, we all remember. And, uh, of course, we lost the GOJHL and PJHL playoffs last year and chunks of the regular season. But, uh, yeah, to, to lose a full year of hockey, it's tough. Like you said, the players at the end of the day are the most affected, these young men that care about the game, that, um, you know, playing for these community owned largely uh, teams and, and spending time with their friends and playing the game for many of them, potentially the last time competitively, um, unless they go off to, you know, the OUA or some of them, you know, end up getting onto junior a or OHL clubs. Even uh, we've seen that through the years with the GOJHL. It's a really high end league. Um, and the, you know, the PGHL as well, uh, they've not officially announced that they have canceled the season, but we can only assume, uh, that they will put a statement out, uh, very soon because there's just no way they're playing if the GOJHL isn't, um, like you mentioned though, new commissioner Brent Garbutt takes over, uh, as commissioner of the GOJHL, this guy's a young go-getter. He's had a ton of experience. Uh, he comes from the OUA as their manager of sport. He's worked at the ECHL level. Uh, he, he interned back in the day with the Ottawa senators, and he actually currently still works in, in the war room in Toronto for the national hockey league. Like this guy's about as tapped in, in terms of hockey as you can get. He also worked for a long time with the OJHL, the tier two junior a league. So, I think that it's a good hire. It's a young guy who cares about the sport. I think that, um, like you said, Steve, I think it all kind of ties together. They wanted to lock that down before they made anything about the now lost season official. And I'm interested to see the efforts that he goes through to kind of kick the league back into life next year. Like you said, I think the majority of clubs are very healthy, at least the ones I've talked to a majority of the players that were planning on playing this year and aren't overagers are 
wanting to come back. And uh, will there be some clubs that are in trouble? I'm sure there probably will be. And that will be a challenge that Brent and his staff are going to have to take head on. And I'm interested to see how he handles that. And uh, we've got some lines in the water. We will get Brent on this show. Um, It's a shame we couldn't get it done this week, but we will have Brent on to get his thoughts on where the league goes forward from here and, and even maybe thoughts on the junior C level and just local hockey in general in this area. It's something we obviously really care about at CKNX. It's really upsetting that we couldn't bring back uh, our junior hockey broadcast this year. It's something that Steve and I and, and Clarky miss a lot. And, uh, you know, now it's just head down and look forward to next year. And hopefully we get a regular hockey season in and, and that will be positive. Uh, let's move on and talk about some baseball, Steve. Uh, I mean, the Jays, uh, as we record this, they are beginning a series in Kansas City. But uh, again, they they nab one off the Yankees. They win another series and they have taken the first two series against the Yankees. Prior to that, they had some little bumps in the road against the Texas Rangers, which, which wasn't very encouraging because Texas sucks. Uh, the fans were there, though. But overall, you know, we're a little over a week into the season here. Your impressions of the Jays and areas they maybe need to improve and things that have impressed you. Uh, well, the one thing that really impressed me, and we've talked about that coming into the season and, you know, what happened last season with a younger team is, would they be able to pull off key plays at key moments in a game? And they've seemed to do that against the New York Yankees. Uh, I mean, Bo Bichette's walk-off homer in the third game uh, set that aside. But defensively, coming up with some big plays, um, throwing the ball uh to home plate with the infield drawn in to get the out, uh, turning a crucial double play. Uh, They've done these things, uh, not to say they haven't made mistakes, uh, but they've been able to really showcase some uh, decent play when they're called upon. Um, Consistency would have to be something that, you know, you would expect to uh, be worked on because you can't, win a series against the Yankees and then go down to Texas and get plastered and then come back and, and beat the Yankees. Uh, you, you need to continue to do well against the teams that aren't really at your level. Like they should have been able to win two out of three in Texas um, and they just couldn't get it done. Uh, they've had their challenges from a roster standpoint. Of course, Teoscar Hernandez out. Uh, for a little bit here, but they have a plethora of outfielders and they've filled in well. They've been able to... uh, How important has Randall Gritchick been in this whole situation? I mean, they, you know, they lose Springer off the hop with an injury to start the season. Uh, Then they lose Teoscar. So uh, Gritchick's been moved around between center and right, depending on situations. Uh, Guriel Jr. doing his job in left field. Uh, and the pitching staff has been, the bullpen has been amazing for Toronto. Uh, of course, they lost Julian Merriweather. Uh, uh, he's on the 10-day injured list now because of an oblique injury. They're going to miss him. Uh, he was huge in uh, a couple of games there, picking up some big saves. Uh, but the starting staff have held their own, and uh, we'll see what happens. I've actually enjoyed watching uh, and, and listening to uh, the Jays play. Uh, you cannot doubt their work ethic or their efforts on the field. I mean, <laughs> Kevin Vigio's face tells you all his reactions whenever something goes wrong or not his way. Uh, you can tell that, uh, um, you know, he wants to be almost perfect all the time. And that, you know, that goes for the rest of the team. Um, and a lot of manipulation in the, the defensive setup, like the J staff, really using all their players here early on. So we'll see if that's going to settle down um, or if they're going to keep moving, shuffling guys around the infield, the outfield, uh, in the batting lineup. Um, And uh, one more thing, your guy, Marcus Simeon, off to a pretty good start too. That that was a nice veteran pickup. He's really solidified that middle infield and, and he's hot off the start with the stick. 
He certainly is. And I mean, the, the thing about him is, you know, the strikeouts are a little high and, and they were last year in Oakland as well. And I mean, the, the A's certainly missed him opening weekend. They've really turned things around. They've won five of six and uh, Houston just got swept by Detroit. So I'm optimistic that my A's can uh, turn things around and take over first place from the Angels. But yeah, you mentioned Marcus Semien, and I mean, just the things that he did in Oakland. I mean, he was a finalist for AL MVP two years ago, and he's showing early on in Toronto why. And it's not so much with his stick. I mean, he's hit a couple monster home runs. I mean, his home runs have been excellent. You'd like to see the strikeouts down a little bit, sure, and get him on base a little more because he is a good base runner. But defensively, he has just made his mark on the team, and he has shifted into second base so, so well. And I think it really speaks to the character of that guy, too. And and it it's going to rub off on his teammates similar to what they want and and hopefully are going to get soon with the George Springer signing just a guy that comes in knows what playing defense is all about uh, an area I think that everyone agreed the team needed to improve with the most outside of pitching which we can talk about for sure because that's been interesting watching the pitching saga so far but defensively in the field they really needed to improve and when George Springer comes back he's going to be fantastic in center field and he's going to be one of the best leadoff hitters in all of baseball like he always has been but Marcus Semien for a veteran guy to come in play playing shortstop and defer, you know, you know that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro talked with this guy and said, are you going to be okay going to second? Because we know you love playing short and we're an MVP finalist at short to let this young guy, Bo Bichette, continue to grow and see if he can really grab shortstop by the reins. And he said, yeah, that's fine. And he's been fantastic at second base. And you mentioned all the shuffling around, Steve. I mean, what a luxury it is for the Jays to have this kind of flexibility where George Springer's not playing. You can plug Randall Gritchick in center field and know that it's not going to be a complete liability. You've got young guys like Santiago Espinal coming up and making an impact. Alejandro Kirk is hitting home runs. His batting average isn't fantastic, but he's he's hitting for power like we all know he can. And then you've got Biggio over at third, who's a second baseman. And you could shift him over to second. You can play Marcus at short if Bo gets hurt. Hopefully he doesn't or needs a day off. They have a lot of flexibility. And let's not forget about our friend Vladdy, Clarky's favorite player. He's been really good at first. Like, let's give this guy credit. He lost all that weight. He's been hitting the ball incredibly well. He's the team's best hitter by a landslide so far. And man, he has played really, really good. I barely notice him at first, and that's probably a good thing, Steve. Well, he's worked a lot with uh, Rowdy Telez, um, who's their other first baseman, and uh, working on footwork, uh, working on the defensive play. Uh, it's funny watching some of the games um, and the analysis of it and watching how uh, Vladdy stretches. Um, and I, uh, yes, I'm no major league coach, uh, but did play first base a little bit back in the day. And, and I, I get a little nervous because he almost seems to commit to the stretch before he knows where the ball is going sometimes. So, um, uh, That'll be interesting to see if that changes a little bit because whenever there's a throw, he always seems to be in the splits before the ball's getting to the bag. Um, so uh, it hasn't hurt him yet, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, but he seems to be smiling too, if you notice. he's He's got a big smile on his face and he's having a lot of fun over there, uh, which is fan fantastic. So um, hopefully... He, if you don't have to worry about your defense, um, you can you can look at your hitting. And the other thing too, the guys hitting, if they're having any issues, they're not transferring back that to their defensive game. So uh, they're able to separate the two because you know a lot of times if you're not hitting well or you get into a little bit of a rut, you start thinking about it too much, and then it affects you when you're on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and that doesn't really seem to be happening. Um, Kevin Biggio, you mentioned at third base, uh, having a lot of fun watching him play. Um, he seemed to snap that up uh, uh, no problem. And uh, we'll see if that continues to to roll through the se season. So, um, yeah, no, having a lot of fun with this team. 
And uh, a lot of it's a long season, though. Let's not forget it's it's not a sprint. Uh, this is where the consistency comes in. You've got all the way to August, early September to play. So still a lot of ball. There certainly is. I mean, like you said, hey, my Oakland A's, they started 0-6, tying the worst start in franchise history, and they're okay now. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself for sure. But, yeah, you you mentioned it. The Jays, they've been fun to watch. The pitching has been up and down like we expected. Ryu's gone into the seventh inning twice now, so that's a little surprising. But both his starts pitched extremely well. Matt's has been extremely impressive. Robbie Ray, we finally Saw him the other day. He was rock solid in his start. Nothing spectacular, but solid. What you want out of Robbie Ray. Uh, I, I think everybody is over the Tanner Roark experiment. Uh, I think we can leave him for long relief appearances. Uh, I think his days as a starter are probably over. Uh, I, I think Jays fans at least hope that's the case. And that's no disrespect to Mr. Roark, just... I don't know that fans are going to be patient with this up and coming team throwing a gas can out there every fifth day or sixth day. I just don't see that happening. And, and Nate Pearson allegedly is uh, ramped up and he's throwing a hundred again in uh, simulated games. Ross Atkins made a comment the other day that he's at full throttle and they expect him to make an appearance in the near future, whether that's in the next week, we'll see because they're typically very careful with young pitchers, but we'll see Steve. I want to ask you before we wrap up here, uh, I want to ask you, is there any teams or players early in the season, maybe not even necessarily with the Jays that have, you know, caught you by surprise or disappointed you so far? Uh, You know what? I haven't really watched a lot of baseball outside of what Toronto's been doing. Um, But I think the Yankees uh, have been a little lackluster. Uh, I mean, let's not take anything away from Toronto. They're a good team. And they have a lot of talent, but you know the Yankees are still the juggernaut of of uh, the American League East at this point in time on paper, and they haven't really created anything uh, too special at this point in time. So again, a long season. See if we can get uh, things revved up. But a lot of shuffling in the New York lineup as well early on. Uh, you know. Uh, Stanton sat out uh, the last game there. Um, you know, some movement in the outfield. Um, you know, pitching hasn't been a perfect. Kluber definitely didn't showcase his best uh, the other day. So, um, but again, that's only the first, what, two series out of the entire season that they'll face each other. And uh, there's a lot more uh, uh, baseball to go. I uh, caught a little bit of the Dodgers game the other night. Uh, They're on late, but uh, boy, it's going to be tough to beat them um, out West. Um, they've got such a lineup. And uh, when you look at other teams trying to catch them, like a San Diego, uh, it's that's a tall order. Uh, the Dodgers just seem to have everything lined up for another run. They've got nine starting pitchers, Steve, and David Price is coming out of the bullpen. I mean, that's all you really need to say about the Dodgers and and the fact that Cody Bellinger's missed a majority of the start of the season, too, and they just keep on rocking and rolling with guys like McKinstrick, and uh, it, it's just ridiculous. Their lineup is way, way, way too good. Um, Oakland did beat them once, though, uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's been interesting. I agree on the Yankees. They're pitching a little lackluster. Kluber, Montgomery, and Tyon, those are question marks for them. All guys that have come off injury problems recently, you know, you don't worry about Garrett Cole, but the rest of that lineup, I mean, how long until they called Davy Garcia back up because he was really upset that they sent him down. And I think it give it about another month and he is a fixture in the New York rotation. I'll tell you one thing for me, Steve, and I've watched a number of their games, a team that's a lot of fun that aren't expected to be that good. I mean, they made the playoffs last year in the expanded playoffs. I'll tell you this, the fish are fun. The Miami Marlins are a fun team to watch. They've got some young guy, Jazz Chisholm at shortstop, a, a young phenom. He's flying around out there with the blue hair. I love it. It's great. Uh, Brian Anderson's just a wily veteran. They got guys like Miguel Andohar who, who are throwing around Rojas, and their pitching staff is something to behold. They've got three guys that are horses out there that are all 25 and under. Sandy Alcantara is one of my favorites to watch. Pablo Lopez, and then, of course, you've got young Sixto Sanchez 
Hernandez, who hasn't shown up yet this year because of injury problems. The fish are fun. You heard it here first. Well, they have, uh, they've, they've got something special in the front office too, right? I mean, a little yes. bit of experience that seems to uh, trickle down. doesn't always work, but um, w- when you have a guy who's uh, a legend in the sport uh, with his uh, kind of hands in, in play, we're talking about Derek Jeter. Um, you know, good things can happen. So uh, we'll see if Jeter's magic works from, you know, the, the office area as much as it did on the field. We'll have to see, right? And and remember the first female GM in North American sports, Kim Ang, they're running the show now. So uh, they're an easy team to cheer for in that respect as well. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Clarky's going to join us and uh, we will chat about the NHL deadline. Of course, got to talk about his Maple Leafs. They were moving and shaking like we've never seen. I know Clarky's excited to dig into that. We'll be right back on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury, joined now by Mr. Clarkey. And wouldn't you know it, on the four-year anniversary of his, not birth, but his birth to the hockey world at large, it's our friend and yours, your friendly neighborhood dart guy, Jason Maslico, joins us. Maz, how are you, buddy? Pretty good, buddy. I've been calling it my dart anniversary. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. That's what well, I've been let's, calling. Let's shave a, a syllable there. Let, dartversary is a little more crisp. It's the <laughs> four-year dartversary of your appearance in my team's barn during the playoffs, and obviously the world was exposed to the legend that is Dark Guy, and we're pleased to have you on the show again. Uh, exciting times. Now, as we record this, the Leafs just recorded a third straight loss, so that's uh, dampened the mood a little bit, but Overall, we all know that the regular season just does not matter for this team. It's all about the playoffs. And on trade deadline day and in the days leading up, Kyle Dubas did some heavy, heavy lifting. Uh, go through some of these moves with this dark guy. Let's start with obviously the biggest one, Nick Felino. What did you think of that acquisition for the Buds? Well, I'm going to tell you, you know, Nick Felino was a guy that was kind of on my list as uh, a potential target for the Leafs. The leadership uh, qualities that that Nick brings, you know, the bloodline, it's just destiny for him to maybe finish his father's unwritten story in Toronto. Uh, And the way Dubas went about doing it and getting him to Toronto uh, was borderline genius. Uh, Trading, getting Columbus to trade him to San Jose, retaining half his salary, and then having San Jose then trade Nick to Toronto, also retaining salary. Uh, that was that was a, a very savvy move by a GM that catches a lot of flack from Leafs Nation over uh, over some of his moves. You don't have to look any further than last year's play-in round to see what Nick Foligno can bring to the Maple Leafs because he did it to us last year. Uh, he was part of a, a, a Columbus squad that basically made uh, Nylander, Marner, and Matthews virtually invisible through five games. Uh, if that's not all you need to know about the guy, then maybe uh, Google some videos and hit some scouting reports because uh, uh, he's going to come as advertised. Jason, the interesting part in my mind will be where will he fit in? I mean, when you look at the team the last three games, I'm as frustrated as probably you are on that. But do you see him playing the Hyman role, maybe with um, Tavares and Nylander? Well, this is what I would do. Um, I think Hyman has proven, and, and maybe to a lot of chagrin of Leafs fans, that he can fit in anywhere in the lineup. And that's not an insult. Uh you know, I see Leaf fans talking about Hyman and complaining that he's on the third or fourth line. There's a reason he's down there. It's to fire guys up, to start to spark them, to get some goal scoring. So when I look at when I look at Hyman's flexibility in the lineup, I look at Nick Felino and he brings that exact same element. Yep. Um, so for me, if you want to be serious about this, uh, I, I say you you put Nick right up on that top line with. Uh, with Matthews and Marner. And and then you've got Hyman uh, with Nylander and Tavares. 
which is now bumping Galchenyuk uh, maybe into a slightly better suited third line role. Um, that's the way I would see it. In the end, uh, Nick Foligno's leadership, his, his ability to pencil in anywhere into the lineup, uh, gives the least flexibility to try maybe a few different looks as well. So uh, he, he's the kind of guy you bring in and, and could probably fit in anywhere and do the job. I can also see them uh, maybe instituting a checking line, a, a Zesselberg-Osborne line. I know we talk about that a lot as Leaf fans, but maybe put Hyman out there with a Felino and a, and a Mikheyev or something and have that real true checking line or at least a line like that, Jason, that you can throw out if you're protecting a one or two goal lead in the third period. I definitely think that's something you're going to see Nick doing no matter what line he pencils in on, right? Like, this is a guy that can play in all situations. Uh, he can be a valuable contributor on the power play. He can be a very big piece to your penalty kill. Uh, I just, like, he was he was a guy that uh, I think Dubas really needed to go out and get. Uh, you know, some Leaf fans will say that uh, the price was a little too rich, but <laughs> if, we're hosting a, if we're hosting a cup, at the yeah. end of the summer, uh, there's no price too high to pay for that. And, and, they, and they, the, all the additions they made, Jason, they didn't give up one roster player. They got a no, goal, they got a D, and they got a great forward, too. Yeah. I mean, if Riley Nash is better, they got an, you know, another one there. Six, six draft picks without having to give up uh, a Robertson, a Sandy. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I, you know, for uh, the, the criticism that Dubas takes and that I've even myself sometimes given him, uh, what he did at this year's trade deadline was was borderline treasonous to the rest of the league. So uh, ho let's hope it works. Absolutely, and and I mean, if if we can pump Nick Foligno's tires anymore, of course, uh, viewers and listeners, longtime listeners of this show will will know that my cousin Brad Shaw is the assistant coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, has been for a number of years now, and. Prior to that, he was in St. Louis for a really long time with some really, really great players. And I sent him a text uh, right when the announcement was made that they had acquired Nick Foligno and just said, you know, what can you tell me about this guy? You know, I've watched Nick Foligno play my whole life, but what can you tell us about this guy that he's going to add to Toronto? And he said, of all the guys I've ever worked with, one of the absolute best pros, all of his teammates love him. He always pulls on the rope and does whatever the coach says. And he said it in his his interviews right when he was traded to Toronto that he moved up and down the lineup in Columbus. He was on the first line, the penalty kill, the fourth line, uh, protecting leads at the end of games. This guy is a grit grinder. He has some skill. He can pot a, an important goal for you and, and cause disturbances in front of the net. And like you said, Jason, he, he is another Zach Hyman-esque player with that veteran savvy that Love grew up loving the Maple Leafs, obviously because of his father with that awful helmet, and uh, and he he cares like he wants to win, and and you can bet that he wanted to be a part of a group like this. And uh, in, in terms of him just being a, a good guy, other than Rick Nash, probably the most loudly you know, scream it out loud, proud Blue Jackets member ever. He was so wow. involved in the community down there, and uh, he is going to bring an awful lot to the table for the Maple Leafs. Might not show up on the score sheet every night, but I can almost guarantee you if a bad play happens on the ice, Nick Foligno likely isn't on the ice for you. Uh, let's talk about Dave Riddick as well. Uh, shoring up the goaltending. Now, Freddie Anderson, on the day we're recording this on Thursday, he did participate briefly in morning skate so that's positive but just in case Kyle goes out and gets Dave Riddick he's played in big games before he's stolen games before for the Calgary Flames obviously as a goaltender both of you guys are goaltenders what did you think of that move first uh, with you Jason well you know uh, depth at the goaltending position never a bad thing especially when you're uh, hoping to go on a lengthy playoff run uh, also not a bad thing when Jack Campbell has uh uh, you know, a long distinguished uh, injury history himself and your number one. And I, I, I reiterate that Leafs Nation, your number one, Frederick Anderson, uh, is a little bit iffy right now. Uh, still quite not quite sure exactly what's going on with Freddie. But, you know, like I said, he's back on the ice. Um, listen, Riddick, Riddick is what Riddick is. He's insurance. Uh, if anybody's expecting him to come in here and compete for the number one role, not going to happen. 
he can he can steal you some games. He did it to the Leafs in a three-game stretch earlier in the season. So you know what he can do. In the end, just like you know, we talked about on, on our uh, on our show, the Smoke Show, Ryan, Frederick Anderson's your number one goaltender. If Freddie's healthy going into the playoffs, you're riding him. He's your horse. That's the bottom line. Uh, you know, a lot of Leafs Nation fans, the uh, Leafs Forever was on, on social media. Jack Campbell's amazing historic record-setting run. Everybody was anointing uh, Jack Campbell as, as your number one goalie. Uh, you know, we tried to preach, uh, you know, being a little bit patient and uh, putting things into perspective that it was a big, a very small sample size. This is exactly why you don't ship your number one goalie out of town at the trade deadline based off of 10 games. Because Jack Campbell has not looked good for the last three uh, Dave Ritter came in tonight in relief. Uh, you know, the, the, the fourth goal of the game, Marner made a bad play. He turned it back towards the, the center of the ice when he probably should have chipped it off the boards and out. But oh. what Dave Riddick did, and I'm sure Clarkie will understand, will, will contest this. You're taught at six years old to stop that puck. Don't swing at it. Don't wave at it, especially <laughs> right in front of your net. You, you put your stick in front of the puck, you put your glove behind the stick so it can't go anywhere, and you stop that puck. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Riddick, Riddick is what he is. He's an insurance policy. Um, if worse comes to worse, I would feel comfortable with him going in for a game or two and he can hold the fort. But he's, he's not going to be the guy that steals the reins from uh, Freddie or Campbell. Uh, as I mentioned last week, Ryan, you didn't point that out. They couldn't go into the playoffs with Michael Hutchinson, and they had to make that deal. They had to get another goalie. Um, and as I mentioned, just ask the Colorado Avalanche last year. But yep. I, 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 Jason, I just think it, you got to run with the hottest goalie heading into the playoffs. And if you're right, Jack Campbell, the last three games has not looked like he did in the first 11. There's no question about that. But if he's the hot goalie, and Freddie has only played a couple of games. I, in my mind, you're riding Campbell. Um, what, I don't tell you what happened to the Capitals. Clarky, come on. What, what were what were Freddie's stats last year in the playoffs? All I know <laughs> is he let in a bad goal in the fifth game, and yeah. he lost the playoffs. I don't trust him. I'm sorry. I just don't trust him. And I know, Ryan, we've had this conversation, but I've said it all along. And maybe Jack Campbell's not the guy. I don't know. However, so no, no, Clarky, devil's advocate here. You're going to ignore five years of work from from Frederick Anderson, where where he's put up all star numbers, Vesna like numbers. At at it throughout different. How many first rounds of the playoffs has he won for this team? How many? He's one guy, Clarky. Yeah, one guy. What's his record in Game Sevens? You're willing to throw out Freddie Anderson for eleven games of Jack Campbell. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if Jack is on another role, let's face it, Jack was hot. Jack was unbelievable. His save percentage was 960. I agree, it's a small sample size. What I'm saying is, if Freddie's not healthy, and they're rotating back and forth, but Jack becomes the guy who is more consistent, you can't just say Freddie's our number one, he's starting game one of the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it well, like we've you know mentioned among the three of us for a long time now, uh, Freddie is a bit of an enigma. I do not think it's his fault that they haven't won a playoff series. Has he let a bad goal in? Yeah, Martin Brodeur let in bad goals. I saw this the other day watching an ESPN highlight package. I want you to go at, seriously, Martin Brodeur, arguably, some would say the greatest goalie of all time. Um, and I'd listen to that argument. There was a goal that he let in in 2003 in the Stanley Cup final against Anaheim. Dark guy, you'll remember this. It was on Rock'em Sock'em like 13. The worst goal I've ever seen. Steve Ruchin, remember him, dumps the puck in from the center red line and Brodeur like comes out of his crease on his knees and tries to like trap the puck. It slides under his glove and goes in the net. He deflected it in off the inside of his shin. Are you saying, though, Horrible. that like, Freddie Anderson is as good as Marty Brodeur? No, I'm just saying that godlike goaltenders yeah, like Marty Brodeur. Everyone let does. Bad Even goals I've let in a bad goal. Oh, have you? Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> now, now, listen. 
like Dark Guy said, his numbers, particularly last year, were unbelievable. I think he yeah, had a were. 934 save percentage. Okay, I, I agree. If he lets a bad goal in, that team making all that money has got to be able to bail him out and vice versa. But I don't think you can lay it all on Freddie. I'm not 265, 265 goals against average with a 948 or 946 save percentage last year. Did he let in one bad goal? Yeah. We're, we're going to ignore a 946 save percentage over one bad goal. Yes, I am. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, just, and, and you know what? Do you see them re-signing this guy? I don't. It, if, well, if, it's if, hard if to win, say. If he, if he wins a cup this year, absolutely. I, I If he wins a cup, I think you have to. And I said recently on this show oh. that if they win the cup and he's the starting goalie, Clarky is going to read an apology letter I live will. on this show. I promise, and I'll do it gladly. Yeah, gladly. And, and he's going to eat run. a cake with Anderson on it. No problem. I will write that letter for him. No problem. Excellent. I no, can't wait. Done. I'll co-sign it. Um, <laughs> I'll just say, and, and again, you you mentioned it, not me, Clarky, a couple of minutes ago. Tell him about my capitals with Holpe Grubauer. Yeah, I remember that. And it was a lot of fun. But Grubauer was not the guy. I mean, no, you wasn't. know, kudos, no, to him, right. kudos to him and what he's done in Colorado so far. I still don't think that he's the guy that's going to take them over the top. But Braden Holpe went back in after game two, after some yucky goals that Grubauer let in and told Barry Trotz, put me in that. We are going to win this series. And they did. I think Freddie can do the same thing. This is a guy in Anaheim. I say it all the time. He went to a Western Conference final and was a post away from going to a cup final with Anaheim when Chicago beat them. This guy can win you games. He lets in bad goals like every other goalie in history. Ken Dryden, Terry Sawchuk, Felix Pot. Man, I don't care who you want to talk about. He lets in bad goals, and so did they. But they won because the team helped, okay? And this team is built better than I've ever seen in my lifetime. This is the best, most no well-rounded Maple Leafs team I have ever seen on paper. Let's see what they do in the spring, but I believe Freddie will be the one to do it. Hey, Clarky, did that go how you thought it was going to? Nope. You know what? Let's see if it. Let's see if the playoffs at the end of this regular season goes as you guys think it is. I don't think it's going to. I think Jack. They're going to ride Jack, and he's the guy. I really do. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Here, here's here's the here's the wire way I bring us back together here, Clarky. Because uh, okay. you're you're a you're a good guy, and I like you. Thank you. The Leafs win the cup. I don't I don't care if it's you who stopped that final puck. <laughs> no, and, and I totally I agree with you. Is. I, I totally agree with it. And I'm just your typical Leaf fan, Jason, because the other guy I'm sour on right now, and it, he just keeps ticking me off, is Mitch Marner. Like, just a sloppy play again tonight. He's too fancy on the puck. This power play, what is going on with this power play? Like, Oof. what is happening? Like, yeah. Manny Malhotra, like, Manny, like, if Manny Malhotra is in charge of this power play, I'm sorry, but someone else should come in here. Like, get Bruce Boudreaux in here right now. And fix this. Do something. Yeah, it's uh I mean, it's a little concerning the the what one goal in thirty-five <laughs> power plays now or whatever. But this it's is a this is also a power play that was clicking very well at the beginning of the season. So what's um, happened? Well, I'm I'm looking at it and basically the way I'm seeing it is is players are kind of trying to do too much themselves. And I I almost took screenshots of it tonight to post on social media. The amount of times I watched two guys, uh, two Leaf forwards, almost get confused as to what their role was and end up like this mm -hmm. on, on the half boards. Like, again, that's peewee hockey. Your coach teaches you, you know, that's one defender can take two guys out when you're standing that close. Yes. Spread out, move the puck around. And, and that was happening consistently. Guys turning the wrong way, not really reading their 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 line mates, where they're going, not anticipating. Maybe guys have forgotten what their position or their role is. I don't know, but when you've got two guys uh, at the hash marks on the boards and you can cover them by with your hand, uh, that's a problem. You're not going to score many power play goals like that. No. Yeah, it's it's. You know what I think it is? Uh, obviously, it's a mental thing, and Sheldon Keefe yes. alluded to that. He said it's 100% mental, and it is. I think that it's they just have a syndrome of, like, we're too good syndrome, and we know it. 
and they're trying to pass the puck into the net. That, that's what it is. Yes. They're not utilizing one-timers enough. I really think that they should be using Riley's slap shot from up top more, not even necessarily looking for him to score. But uh, I'll tell you, I've watched a pretty good power play in Washington for a long time, and when everybody goes over to Ovi's side, John Carlson's up top with a cannon, and he uses it. And they've got guys like Oshie down low in the bumper. Where is John Tavares in this situation? Like, where are these guys? Like, it, it can't just be Austin ripping one-timers or, or unleashing that incredible shot that he has. Other guys can shoot the puck, I assume. Where are they in this equation here? And, and I really am looking specifically at John Tavares, who continues to be a solid player. But I, I would venture to say that he has had a very disappointing season. Well, he's uh, been picking it up quite quite well over the last, you know, seven to ten games. Like, he's been playing yeah. much, much better. Well, he makes $11 million, and I would like a little more. Is that too much? Like, I would like a little more for $11 million. I would take, I would take five John Tavares's over five Mitch Marners right now. I know Marner's putting up the points, yeah, but to oh, me, yeah. he's just too fancy with that puck like i'm sorry like i know he's a great player um we had a, a conversation off the air one time with a guy who's pretty pretty high up in the national hockey league who was saying he thinks he actually hurts his team even though he puts points up he actually hurts his team in the playoffs fancy yes. play you know yeah. it's just i i think john Tavares. i you know i think jason would agree with me he plays so tough he gets banged around so much. He's yeah. hard on the puck. He's first in. He's using his body a lot more, especially a lot more than 16 is. I, I, you know what? Like, I'm a Wendell Clark fan. I'm sure you are too, Jason. And that's the kind of guys we fall in love with, right? They're the kind of guys. Now, Dougie's good too. I see it behind you. Dougie's great too. Um, well, he Dougie, would do that though. But Dougie was a tough uh, I won't yeah, certain <laughs> times too, right? Yes. Mitch is just very one-dimensional. He's a great hockey player. Don't get me wrong, but he's well, sometimes frustrating to watch. And tonight was another perfect example, which Jason said earlier, like just not positionally well. He got totally outworked for the puck, and then David Riddick decided he was going to be like Mike Weir. Mike Weir. Well, yeah. you know, the yeah. problem here, I think, I think that part part of the flack that John Tavares catches from Leaf fans, maybe, and maybe even some media folk that that didn't know enough about JT before he came to Toronto is JT has never been an upper echelon skater in this league. Um, no, he, he survived by his hockey IQ uh, and and an amazing uh, knack to put the puck in the net. So I think when when you know he came over to Toronto. Uh, obviously, you know, he had 40, 40 goal season. Everybody was loving him. And then people started kind of watching him a little more and started getting on him about, you know, he looks slow and everything. Well, he's always been that way since he was 16 years old. So this is not something new if you've been following JT, but he is talented and smart enough that he is one of the better players in the league, hands down. The one thing I will say, you know, for all the, uh, talk about Mitch Marner. At least I, I can say that the last stretch of three, four games have been uh, Nylander's absolute best defensive performances uh, in a Leafs uniform. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Nylander has looked great defensively watching from home for sure. That's a nice gentle barb by you. No, I agree. Mitch, I mean, he, he to me, looking back at that Caps team, He's kind of your Yevgeny Kuznetsov. If you can ever just get the guy's radio signals dialed in, man, it, it, it would go a long way because he's already got the wizardry and can do so much crazy stuff with the puck. If he, if he can ever dial it in away from the puck and the rest of the team follows suit, man, they are going to be dangerous. But I like what they did at the deadline. Your Leafs look loaded up. We appreciate this, buddy. Happy Dartversary. Jason Maslico, Dark Guy. Follow him on Twitter, at LeafsMaz20. He is the man for Leafs Nation stuff. And, of course, you listen to and watch the Smoke Show with Dark Guy and myself. Uh, you can find that all over YouTube and podcasts. Dark Guy, we love it, buddy. Thank you so much for doing this, brother. Uh, always a pleasure. Clarky, Drury, you know I love both you guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, anytime. See you Absolutely. soon. Stay safe, buddy.
You too. All right. We will take one last quick break here on MWO Sports. When we come back, Clarky and I will discuss some hot bets heading into the weekend in absence of our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. We will talk about some gambling and our friend Corey Connors and his magical performance at the Masters next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky. Do you hey, end Drury, the show Drury, this Drury, week? Not, yep. not, not a lot of time here. Just give me a couple of quick baseball bets for this weekend. Who do you like? Let's do it. In the absence of our wagering expert, Chris Abbott, uh, let me tell you what. A couple teams that you might want to bet on. The first one, not even necessarily to win on the money line, but the Florida Marlins. I mentioned this earlier in the show with Steve Sabarin. They are a fun baseball team to watch right now. If you want to bet on the Marlins, don't even bet them on the money line, but take the over. Whatever the over is, hammer it. Let's say it's at seven and a half runs. Hammer the over. Their pitching gives up a lot of runs, but they score a lot of runs as well. They are a dynamite team to watch. And not to sound like a homer, my Oakland A's. Hammer the over there, too. And this weekend, they're playing the Detroit Tigers. No disrespect to Detroit and Akil Badu, but... Hammer the A's on the money line this weekend and hammer the over there as well. And I want to tell you as well, Formula One this weekend, Italian Grand Prix, take Max Verstappen to win and take Pierre Gasly to finish top 10. Those are money bets. Verstappen is going to dominate at the Palace of Speed. So Marlins over, A's over. A guy who wasn't over was Corey Connors on the weekend. Congratulations to Corey. Did you get your hole-in-one donut at Tim Hortons yet? The Corey Connors donut? I absolutely did. I I ate it. It was the best. Uh, Listool, Tim Hortons here uh, doing a hole-in-one donut for Corey. Uh, Just the sixth time ever someone hole-in-one six, and he finished top 10 at the Masters. Very impressive putting from Corey, which is great to see. Congratulations, Corey. We'll get him back on the show very soon, but he's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. All right. Uh, We appreciate you listening to and watching this show. You can listen every Friday night at 6 on CKNX AM 920, cknx.ca. Unless the Leafs play Friday at 7, we will start at 5.30, leading into Leafs pregame at 6.30. Remember, you can catch every Leaf game live on CKNX this year. Jays as well. We carry every Jays game unless they conflict with the Leafs, in which case Leafs take priority. You can find us on all the best podcast apps. You can watch us Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 on Whiteman TV, and Friday nights debuting at 9 on our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media as well. I'm Ryan Drury for Steve Sabrin, for Dark Guy, Jason Maslikow, and Clarky. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. <laughs>